Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. Today we are lucky enough to have Pastor Aaron Dowds to speak with us. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be here. We're on a four-week series just now called Whisper. If we are good to go with a recording, please just make sure we get, uh, get a recording for those who are missing it. Um, this week, Whisper Week 2, if you use uh, the Bible app, you version Bible app, you can open that up just now. And I know some of you dab hands at that just now. Uh, Bible app, you version. And um, if you click on the more menu, and then the little tab that says events, if your location services device is on, lo and behold, the Vine Church will pop up. Click on that, and you've got all your notes for today, links, quotes, books, studies, everything you need to learn to hear the whisper of God. Okay. Um, I don't have any paper copies uh, this week, so you can uh, just use your own. Now, on February the 24th, 1958, Life magazine published a feature article titled Mass Murder, Trial of a Teenage Gang. Now, it pictured seven gang members. There we go, on your screen there. It pictured seven gang members who were accused of murdering Michael Farmer, a 15-year-old boy who had been disabled by polio. The trial arrested the nation's attention, not unlike O.J. Simpson trial almost four decades later. But that one article, that one uh, picture, drawing, it totally wrecked a Pennsylvanian pastor named David Wilkerson. It was one of the boy's faces. The meanest of the seven was seared in his memory. Others read the article, but Wilkerson wept over it without knowing why. That was from page 164 of the, a book called Whisper by Mark Batterson. This is a little from the Teen Challenge history webpage. Absolutely fascinating. I love stories and I love the origins stories of how things began. Over 50 years ago, Reverend Wilkerson came across a Life magazine article, the one you see on your screen there, displaying members of a New York City gang on trial for murder. The artist had captured the hatred and despair in their faces, and David found himself brought to tears. When you're moved emotionally, pay attention to the whisper. He was moved with compassion to reach those young people with the message that God loved them unconditionally, right where they were, and wanted to give them hope for a better future. In a grave attempt to connect with them, Wilkerson drove to New York. Now, Google Maps told me last night from Pennsylvania to New York is roughly a four-hour drive. So he drove to New York. He rushed to the front of the courtroom at the close of the trial proceedings, pleading publicly with the judge for permission to meet the teenage defendants. My goodness me, what a radical guy. The media was everywhere, and the small-town pastor unwittingly made himself the source of headline news throughout New York City, ending up on the front page with Bible in hand. Now, the judge had been receiving death threats during trial, and Wilkerson was almost arrested as a presumed assailant. Although David's goal was just one, 
The judge later refused Wilkerson's request to see the boys and he ordered him never to return to his courtroom. David did not give up. He knew God wanted him in New York City. So he spent time on the streets getting to know those that lived there and how they survived. He discovered that countless young people were living in a downward spiral of hate, fear, and addiction. They desperately needed help and someone or something to believe in. And Reverend Wilkerson knew that God could make a radical change in their life for the good. Let's go back to the Whisper Book for a moment. Wilkerson would go on to start a worldwide ministry called Teen Challenge. (laughs) I think I'm playing. There we go. He would go on to start a worldwide ministry called Teen Challenge. He would write a New York Times best-selling book titled The Cross and the Switchblade. How he got a publisher for that is fascinating. Um, And it involved a whisper and throwing out a fleece to God. I'm not going to go into that. You'll read it in the book Whisper. But uh, he also started started Times Square Church. They all started with one prompting, a magazine article. Last week we watched a video of Journey of a Yes, which started with an article about Maria. It started with emotions being moved. And here we are again, an article and emotions. It started with a prompting, a magazine article. Now, like Paul reacting to the vision of a man in Macedonia calling for help, Wilkerson could not ignore what he perceived to be a whisper from God. Sitting in his study late on a side Sunday night in February of 1958, he discerned the voice of God. Go to New York and help those boys. Now, moving from rural Pennsylvania to minister to the gangs of New York was a crazy prompting, but not any crazier than some of the promptings recorded in Scripture. Now, prior to reading the article in Life, David Wilkerson had gone on a mission trip to Argentina. That trip produced a restlessness in his spirit. Another whisper. It's difficult to define the feeling, but it's a sixth sense that God is getting ready, getting you ready for something else, someplace else. Sometimes you have to go halfway around the world, noted his son Gary, to realize that you're not called there. And that's what Dan Irvin's same story. He says many people don't have a heart for mission until they go out and come back. You see, that mission trip produced not only a restlessness, but an openness to go anywhere and to do anything. What God is able to do through a heart that says, anytime, any place, any cost. Anytime, any place, any cost. What God can do through that heart is unbelievable. And in my experience, he goes on to say, that's what mission trips do. When you get out of your comfort zone, you hear God's voice more clearly. It's often an open door that leads to a door. Or maybe I should say a prompting that leads to a prompting. That was from the Whisper Book. So we have this young minister, David Wilkerson, who moved from Pennsylvania to New York City to reach the gangs with the love of Jesus. And David Wilkerson shamed 
the whisper of God. Last week we learned that Shema means to hear and respond, to hear and to act, to hear and obey. What whisper did he hear? Go to New York City and help those boys. He heard the whisper of restlessness. He heard the whisper of desires. And what did he do? Like Bill Cody that we watched in Journey of a Yes last week, he learned over the years that when you hear the whisper of God, sometimes the best response is to what? Show up. Everybody say, show up. Let's say it again, show up. That's what this young Pennsylvanian minister did, traveling around 400 miles to show up. And show up he did, Bible in hand, at the front of a courtroom proceeding of seven teenagers, I think they were around 13 or 14, convicted of a gang murder of Michael Farmer, a 15-year-old boy disabled by polio. He was made a fool of. It doesn't always go smoothly when we show up. It doesn't always go easy when we show up. It doesn't always go according to plan when we show up. But he did not give up. He started to spend time on the streets. I love stories, and isn't that a powerful one? I want to ask you, like I asked last week, do you agree that nothing has the potential to change your life and the life of others quite like the whisper of God? Nothing can help you discover and fulfill your destiny quite like your ability to hear and respond to Shema, his still, small voice. The whisper of God is how dreams are birthed, which can shape the world and turn that which is impossible into possible. David Wilkerson heard a whisper. He responded, and the ripple effects over the decades that followed are unbelievable. There were many, there were multiple. Here's just one, just one. Let's watch this video. Now go back, if we will, just a little bit, back to the time when you first encountered David Wilkerson. Up until that point, um, had any other evangelists or, or any preachers or anybody else um, made an attempt to explain the love of God and the gospel to you? No, no. Nobody? Uh, because I was born in a witchcraft home and uh, uh, I never opened up myself to no, no one to come with a Bible or to talk about Jesus Christ. What Wilkerson did was uh, awesome. It was, it was in the, what you call in the moments of the New Testament, when you walk through the pages of the book of Acts, that God has to be with you with a tremendous signs and wonder and powerful way to penetrate into the world zone where there's no guarantee that you will come out, either the mm -hmm. ambulance or either the police will drag your dead body out and to walk in and, and challenge me, and regardless what I did to him, because I slapped him and I spit at him and I sent him straight to hell, that guy stood to his belief, and he told me, you can cut me, and, uh, uh, you can kill me and cut me in thousand pieces, and you can throw them right there on the sidewalk, but remember, every piece is going to cry out that Jesus loves you. 
I think that was that to me was one of the most heavy statements of any apostolic minister who walking into the inner city because not everybody can walk in into any into the inner city. Either guy who have been in my in, with my background, you got to be called by God. This is not just to walk in and try to fix the gangs or to try to help the gangs. Mm -hmm. That's not going to work out. God has to be with you, and God was with them. Did you recognize that there was something, there was something very powerful or authoritative about him from the very beginning, or was it the kind of thing where it was a process of over time he just began to win your heart over to the Lord? Well, in the beginning, they looked at like the average hillbilly. You know, he walked in, and, and you can tell that he was green. But yet, when, when I challenged him, and I, what I did to him, it was for him to, to be scared. He stick, he stick to, his, to his ground about, about Jesus Christ. And, and in the, it, it took about five minutes in the beginning, it was, he walked into the devil's turf, mm -hmm. and the devil tried to intimidate him. But then there was the presence of Jesus Christ. It take that five minutes. From the very beginning, oh, you yes. noticed that? And there is. This man was transformed. The man had something there that was scary, mm -hmm. like he was piercing through my heart, mm -hmm. that he was looking at me, like, I know from where you come from. Mm -hmm. And there, he didn't back off. He's, 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 stood there with the, with the message and, and it, 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 uh, for the first time I never been afraid of guns, knife, but I was afraid that this guy has a strain came from somewhere that penetrate and that was to me scary. So what was the turning point for you? Because I know you didn't react, you didn't uh, readily accept his message even though you said it made an impact on you in the beginning, it still took time before you were willing to, to turn your life over to Jesus Christ. What became for you really a turning point? Well, I, I was like a mad dog. And I want to I want to erase this guy. I want to finish him. Get out of here. I mean, I, mean, I want to kill him. And yet, this guy uh, is still to curse like the oblivious person in the street, you know, with every four-letter word, this guy started blessing me. God going to hunt you. The Holy Spirit going to be everywhere. You're never going to escape from God's love. He's going to be right there in the lonely moments of your life, and he will never let you go. He loves you, Nikki Cruz. He loves you. And then I, you go to hell. But man, those words was like an echo. And it's right there. It was like for two weeks, Jesus love you, Jesus love you. It was two weeks later, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. That's Nikki Cruz. Come on, let's give it up for David Wilkerson. Wow, the link for that video is on your notes. And now Oswald Chambers puts it this way. You could have the PowerPoint up. It says, Oswald Chambers, he said, The checks of the Spirit come in the most extraordinarily gentle ways. And if you're not sensitive enough to detect his voice, you will quench it and your spiritual life will be impaired. His checks always come as a still, small voice. So small that no one but the saint notices them. That was in Chambers, my utmost, August the 13th. Okay. 
Now, last week we heard from a, a sound expert called Julian Treasure that we are raising an entire generation of deaf people. Countless people are suffering due to headphone abuse, NIHD, noise-induced hearing disorder. And similarly, we said last week that the church, it's easy to suffer NIHD also because it's easy to become immersed in our culture of noise and busyness. And often we rarely manage to escape to the cave of calmness, stillness, and quietness, especially if you're a parent. <laughs> Enough to be able to hear the gentle whisper of God. But I want you to imagine what it would look like for millions of believers all across the world who have learned to frequently hear and respond to the whisper of God. What would that look like? Imagine a world where people constantly hear the affirming, loving, encouraging, convicting, and directing whisper of Father on a daily basis. Imagine how emotionally healthy this people would be. Imagine how much confidence, boldness, and courage this army would have living emotionally healthy and happy lives as their identities are molded and shaped by Father's loving words. Imagine the good works that would be carried out by this army as people regularly hear and respond, Shema, the whisper and promptings of this loving father. Checkout workers would be impacted by the smiles and conversation and encouragements as heaven's voice is spoken through human lips on the earth. Children would be affirmed with a smile and love and encouragement and present dads would engage and kick the ball on the street with their kids. Married couples will no longer look to each other to fulfill the deep void in their souls, but will overflow in his love and his love for each other. The hungry would be fed, the thirsty receive water, as millions of good Samaritans all across the earth have mercy on their neighbors that they come across who are beat up on the side of the road. The whisper of heaven will direct God's army to the hungry, the thirsty, the prisoners, the asylum seekers, the immigrants, the homeless, the sick, and the naked. This is an army who shema their master, praying like Samuel, speak, for your servant is listening. They are sheep who hear and respond to the good shepherd's voice, and they are directed by his whisper to be his hands and feet to the broken, the hurting, and the needy. This is an army that is filled. This is an army that is flowing and that it is finding the least, the last, and the lost as they are affirmed and guided by father's whispers. This is a generation of father's children who no longer suffer NIHD, but who have ears to hear and respond to father's daily whispers of love, affirmation, conviction, and direction. It's an army who are healthy, wholesome, happy, and radical in taking opportunities to transform the moments of others with joy and kindness. This is the power of whisper. This is 
the whisper revolution. Now, I want to ask you, why is hearing God's voice so powerful? Why is hearing God's voice so powerful? Well, God's voice, hearing it and believing it, is how God imparts faith into your heart for a situation. You wonder, how can you get faith for a situation? How is faith created? Where does it come from? How do you work it up? How do you receive it? How do you get it? Well, it comes by hearing and believing his whisper. Because, remember, faith is powerful. Even faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. But faith, have you realized, have you discovered, it cannot be worked up by self-effort, no matter how hard you try to believe and not to doubt. Faith is a gift that is imparted, that is given freely by Father. What does Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 say? It says, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through what? Through faith. And this, not of yourselves, it is what? The gift of God. The faith is not created and worked up by yourselves. Even the faith is a gift from God. It's a, it's a gift that is imparted to your heart. When his whisper is heard and believed. You see, that's how God creates faith. That's how God releases faith. Now, Colin Dye, he's got a chapter on it in his book. And it's called, his book's called Living Faith. And the title in the, of the chapter is called Listening Faith. Listening Faith. Here's just a few words from it. And it's in your notes. He says, we have already seen that faith does not come by a human striving to believe. Instead, it comes from God as he works within us by the word and the spirit and helps us to believe. No matter how hard we try, we can never produce true faith by our own efforts. Living faith begins when we hear God speak. Why is whisper so important? Why is hearing God so fundamental and vital to being a Christian, to being a follower of Jesus, to being a disciple. Well, we know without faith, it's impossible to please God. And living faith begins when we hear God speak. This faith hearing is not a vague awareness that God has spoken generally. It is an acknowledgement that God has spoken personally. Have you ever heard God speak personally? Because that's where faith will come from. That's where your identity will be shaped. He says, God has spoken personally, intimately, and directly to us. That's what God wants to do. Speak personally, intimately, and directly. Not a general, yeah, I know God loves me. No. Have you heard God affirm? Because that's where your faith will come from. He says, and so his word begins to work deeply within us. That's Colin Dye, living faith. So, if you're not hearing his whisper and word about your situation, you will struggle to have faith for your situation. You will lack peace about your situation. And you will struggle with doubt about your situation. 
So how do we find peace in a world of troubles and storms? Well, you need insurance and faith that God has got this. He's got it. It's all right. Father's got this, son. You need that faith that he's in control. And how do you get that faith and assurance? Well, faith comes by hearing. It doesn't come by straining. It doesn't come by blaming or complaining. It doesn't even come by training, abstaining, explaining, maintaining, refraining, sustaining, ascertaining, or even entertaining. Thanks to Google for all the words that rhyme with straining. So much easier for preachers these days. I don't know where you used to look that up back in the day in the 50s. They just had to have a good vocabulary. These guys were genius. We've got Google. (laughs) So faith comes by... Let's say it louder. Faith comes by? It comes by hearing the whisper of God. Romans 10, 17. We touched briefly on it last week. King James Version. So then, faith cometh. How does faith cometh? (laughs) How does faith come? How is it born? It cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So if you're not hearing his whisper about your situation then you cannot receive his faith inside you for your situation because his faith will come for your situation when you hear his voice for your situation. People say, does God still speak today? Is it really possible to hear God's voice? What we need to do is learn how to discern God's voice. God is speaking all the time. The trouble is, let him who has ears hear. Let him who has ears hear. God is speaking. It's just often we're not interpreting his voice. We're not understanding how he communicates. We're not understanding how our emotions are stirred or an article grabs us. Or we, we, we haven't learned to still our minds and still our hearts. Now, this guy's called Dr. Charles Price. He lived 1887 to 1947. And he wrote a book called The Real Faith for Healing. He was originally from Britain, and he trained in law at Wesley College, Oxford. He had an incredible gift of communication, holding audiences spellbound. He attended Amy Semple McPherson's meetings in California, where he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And after preaching, he would offer to pray for the sick. He was a mighty evangelist who often had 1,000 conversions per day in his campaigns. Now, Dr. Charles S. Price had one of the most miraculous ministries ever seen. And he wrote a book called Real Faith. And it was written not in the early years of his ministry, but as a seasoned veteran of 20 years of ministry. And here's a little from his book. It's a little longer than I would normally read for a quote. But he actually said, I pray that thousands would hear these words. And God's answering his prayer today. So I'm going to read these words. It's in the old school, good old English uh, vocabulary. And it's just... uh, so rich that I want to read this to you just now. It's on your notes. Don't you know that your prayers can be answered? Don't you know that your burdens and cares can be left at his feet? That you never need bow your shoulders again with the weight of sorrow and care? I am praying, and God is answering today, please God, that thousands will read these lines and abandon their self-efforts as they realize that has led them only into doubts and fears that destroy confidence and trust in God. Know you not that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God? 
In my Greek New Testament, it reads, and hearing by a word of God. There is a finer ear than one with which we listen to church music. There is a finer ear than the one we use to listen to the reading of the grand old book. The Bible is a book through which God speaks, but all do not hear his voice in the lines, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by a word of God. Let Jesus speak to your heart and doubts will fly away on the wings of the morning. Let Jesus breathe a little word to your burdened mind and heaven is brought to earth. Fear is gone like a shadow in the light of his glorious truth. Let him say, bring him to me, and then cometh faith, God's faith, his faith. And the weary heart will cry, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Let Jesus breathe on you with his love and presence, and your mountains will tremble and race for the ocean. That's how faith comes not through the channels of human concepts, not along the paths of human understandings, not by the ability of the mind to understand or the power of the intellect to affirm. Reach for your healing with those and you'll struggle endlessly in vain to obtain it. But let Jesus speak and it will be enough. Just one word from Jesus is worth more than all the words in all the dictionaries there have ever been or ever will be. There is hope for every Bartimaeus on today's Jericho Road when Jesus of Nazareth is passing their way. Hope, did I say? Yes, hope, and more than hope, for when he hears our cry of helplessness, he will not pass us by. When he speaks, Hope is kindled until it becomes a fire that burns away all doubt and unbelief. And the warmth of a divine and beautiful faith brings healing to the soul and body. Oh, Master, speak in our needs and self-helplessness. We would lift our hearts and voices to thee. Speak the word. That will be all we need. We have tried with the broken systems of our faith and endeavors to believe, but their waters have failed. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. Why on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Come on, let's give it up for Dr. Charles Price. Those boys can write. You don't get that in the daily record. <laughs> that's when we were, you know, that's when literacy was at an all-time high in, in, in those school days. I mean, those teachers had it uh, tough. Faith comes by hearing. By hearing the whisper of God, you see, our faith challenge is actually a hearing challenge. Our voice challenge, as we learned last week, actually is a hearing challenge. Our challenge is that we have many suffering NIHD, noise-induced hearing disorder. We've become deaf to the whisper of Almighty because of all the noise. The noise can be TV, phones, social media, interruptions, busyness, distractions, and even, like Martha, Busy serving Jesus, but not sitting at his feet. Luke 4, 10, 40. Martha was distracted with much serving. But what did Jesus say to Martha? Luke 10, 41 to 42. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha. I like that, my dear. <laughs> See, that's how he speaks. It's a father that is tender, even in our busyness. My dear child. 
Not harsh. Oi, Martha, settle down, hen. No, no harsh, no. <laughs> Get off your high horse, Martha. No, my dear Martha. See, some of us, that's the voice we've had from Father growing up. Maybe it's been a harsh father, and so you project that voice onto the voice of God. But he's not like that. We need to retrain our brains, actually, what is the voice of God really like. My dear Ronnie, my dear David, my dear Jill, my dear Fiona, my dear Paul Tullet, my dear Mavis, my dear Roe Baby. God might actually say that. You're worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. It's only one thing. One thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. So Martha was anxious. She was troubled with serving, and Jesus said there's one thing worth being concerned about. Mary had discovered it. Let me ask. There's one thing worth being concerned about. What is the one thing? And have you discovered it? Mary had. Martha was yet to discover, but she was just about to. Have you? What did she discover? Luke 10, 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened. One thing worth being concerned about. She sat at the Lord's feet and listened. My sheep hear my voice. One thing worth being concerned about. She sat at my feet, at the Lord's feet, and listened. Let him who has ears, let him hear. Let him shema. Because there's one thing, one thing that's worth being concerned about to sit at the Lord's feet and listen to his teaching. The King James Version says she heard his word. She was sitting his feet and listening, sitting and hearing. Why? Well, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mary was listening to the whisper, what was stirring in her heart? What was stirring? Faith was rising. As Jesus as she was listening, hearing, faith was coming. Mary would be sitting, hanging on to every word of Jesus, and her heart would burn within her. Like those disciples on the Mayor's Road, as faith rose. Like the bread in an oven, as she listened and believed. One of the questions is, why does God speak in a whisper? And I was, I was going to ask Lindsay to come up because I've got something I wanted to say, but she's looking after children this morning. But uh, I'm just going to whisper something just now, and I'm going to cover my mouth so you can't lip read because God's invisible. We spirit. We can't, we can't lip read. We have to use our ears. Did anybody hear that? Why not? What, what would you need to do to hear what I just whispered? 
sorry. You would need to what? Come close. You need to come close. You need to put the ear even next to the mouth. Mark Batterson tells the story of he used to do that with his children. He would whisper and they would have to come closer and closer and closer and then he would whisper and he would just grab them and hug them and hold them tight. And that was his desire all along. Why does, why does God speak in a whisper? One of the reasons may be he wants you to come close. It's what he longs for. It's what he desires. The father of the, the prodigal son was longing for to come close. And isn't that a beautiful picture? I just love that picture, isn't it? It just speaks so much volume of the father and the son there. And, you know, communication doesn't even have to be verbal there. But father longs for his children to come close, to be intimate space. That's where father wants us. Because the goal of hearing father's voice is not just hearing his voice, but it's to be close to him. And we need to retrain our brains again because humanly, fathers and sons might not be necessarily that close. But Father in heaven wants to be that close. Now we're, we're, we're drawing this to a close. Mark Batterson, he says this in Whisper. Silence is anything but passive waiting. It's proactive listening. The noted author and, he, and professor Henry Nguyen believed that silence was an act of war against the competing voices within us. And that war isn't easily won because it's a daily battle, yes, that we all face. It's a struggle for each one of us. No one finds that easy, the daily battle with noise. But each day, God's voice gets a little louder. That's what we want. You've maybe never heard his voice. That's okay. He wants you to hear it personally, intimately, and deeply. And it will get a little louder in our lives until his voice is the loudest voice that we hear. His voice is louder than the voice of condemnation. His voice is louder than the voice of doubt. His voice is louder than the doubt of uh, the voice of accusation. His voice is the loudest voice shaping our identities. Not myself, negative talk is not the loudest voice that I hear because that will shape my identity. And no wonder I'm not emotionally stable because I constantly doubt myself. But it no longer have an identity shaped by our voices, but by his voice. It becomes louder until all we can hear. This is what Henry Nguyen says. He says, every time you listen with great attentiveness to the voice that calls you the beloved, you will discover within yourself a desire to hear that voice longer and more deeply. <laughs> you see, that's why grace draws that's why grace draws us closer to Father because when you hear the whisper of calling you the beloved, if we still ourselves long enough and find a place of stillness and attentiveness and, and hear and, and drown out the noise, just allow God to speak, we will desire to hear that voice longer, more frequently, and more deeply. That's in Henry Nguyen, Life of the Beloved. See, God's I'll close on this. God's desire is for our transformation. His desire is to change the way that we think, to believe and to act. Because God wants us to have an abundant life. He wants us to thrive in life no matter what life throws at you. 
You see, God desires that you'd be strong and resilient through every storm that life throws at you. One thing you will have in this life is trouble. One thing you're guaranteed of is winds and waves and storms that are going to beat against the house of your heart, your mind, your emotions, and your home and your family. That is one thing that's guaranteed. But his desire is for you to be strong. And how does that come? We wouldn't necessarily equate that with listening or through Shema through hearing and responding. But listen to the words of Jesus in 7.24 to connect listening with strength and resilience. Listen to this, Matthew 7.24. Anyone who hears Jesus' words, hear my words, hear Jesus' words, and puts them into practice. Now, interestingly, that's Shema right there. Hear, put into this practice. Hear, respond. Hear and act. Jesus says, anyone who hears my words, and puts them into practice. Anyone who shamas my voice, what happens? Is like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. <laughs> wow. So if you move hearing from the equation, we, we remove hearing. We obviously cannot do the second part, which is respond. And therefore, our life is on the sand that sinks when the, the storms and winds come against her life. Anyone who shamas Jesus, who hears and responds, hears and puts into practice, hears and acts, will have a strong foundation, will stand strong through every storm of life. We're going to close on this, but you see two questions that are good to ask each other to help us. And I think we're meant to do this together, not alone, because we suffer from individualization. But two questions we're meant to ask is, what is Jesus saying to you, and what are you, what are you doing about it? What is Jesus saying? We need to help each other with that. We need to ask each other as, as, in pairs, as couples, in, in groups, ongoing, uh, and how's God getting my attention? How, how's God getting my attention? It might be pain. It might be an article. It might be emotions. How's God getting my attention? What is he saying? If he's saying nothing, we need to help each other. Well, let's try and hear, what is God saying? And number two, what, what are you doing about it? You know, God is the first entrepreneur. We're going to go into a series called Call to Create about God the entrepreneur. And it makes sense, therefore, that God can help your business. God is the original entrepreneur. And that if we listen and, and, and respond to the voice of God and hear God's voice, we can impact any mountain, any sphere of influence in the world. We're going to close with this last video, which I think is a great example of this, because Mark Batterson heard this whisper, and this was the result. If we could have the band back up, uh, we're going to close in a prayer after this last, last video. Zara, thank you. Uh, Zara? Clara. <laughs> thank you. Let's give Clara a great applause. She's done so well today.
Most trendy coffee shops talk about their beans, roasters, or free Wi-Fi, but not this one. Our slogan is coffee with a cause. The cause is a kingdom cause. That's because a D.C. church is the force behind each cup at Ebenezer's Coffee House. A sunny lavender latte. Backtrack to 1908, when the building began as a diner across from Union Station to serve travelers on the train. Years later, the diner closed. And at one point, the abandoned building even served as a crack house. That is, until 2006, when National Community Church stepped in. Turned that crack house uh, into a coffee house. And I think that backstory is, is not just a fun backstory, but it's a picture of what I believe God does in all of our lives. He takes those break, broken places and brings healing. That healing is now a part of the caffeine routine that keeps D.C. going. And when people walk in, they think they're walking into a coffee house. The reality is they're walking into an answered prayer. The idea actually comes uh, from Scripture, believe it or not. You know, Jesus didn't just hang out in the synagogue. He hung out at wells. Wells were natural gathering places in ancient culture. Coffee houses are postmodern wells. The postmodern well serves thousands of people a year. And all profits go to mission trips. I like the cause and, and what it goes for, you know, to uh, support mission trips and, and, and further the, the cause of Christ. One mission aims to help a new generation strengthen their faith, thanks in part to coffee sales. The D.C. Dream Center opens soon to inspire kids and push them to their God-given potential. People begin to dream again when they see this new building coming up. And I hear it all the time. People come up and say, Mr. Ernest, is this, is this for us? All, is this really for us? And we're like, yes, it's for you. This is, this is for the community. This is what the Lord has done. The center features a basketball court to build friendship and teamwork. It could also be used as a meeting space and even for prayer. That prayer will continue in the center's new classroom, dance studio, computer lab, and rooftop view of Capitol Hill, all free to kids in need. This is our dream wall. We want people to either write a dream, pray for a dream, or somehow become a part of a dream that they read off of here. And each customer plays a part because their purchase helps a kid in need find their way through faith. They don't get to hear that, like, oh, well, God did something for me? Oh, I never, I never thought about that. I have a little formula. The Holy Spirit plus caffeine equals awesome. It is awesome. I'm Ben Kennedy for CBN News in Washington. You see, uh... One thing you learn from Americans, you should have a basketball behind you, you know, just throw a ball and land, land straight in the net. But that whole idea of the coffee house came from a whisper that said, imagine this being a coffee house instead of a crack house. You know, God's voice can help us in our business. It can help us um, anywhere. Um, Alko, you want to take a couple of minutes to share what you were, you were saying about your daughter, Hannah? Just take a couple of minutes. Well... I uh, heard the sermon and I was really touched and I really had the feeling that I had to share this. Um, in our journey of, of the whisper of God to, to our call of Scotland, we got very busy. I traveled a lot and um, we were youth leaders, we, we had jobs, we were so, so busy that in a way we, we didn't, couldn't find a way anymore to sit still. And, and one moment, we were sitting at a dining table, and Hannah, our daughter, was suddenly said, Look, 
look over there, look. When we were looking and we were like, there's nothing, what, what's up? And she said, they're the feet of Jesus. And we were like, wow, what's this? And we weren't sure if she was, she was just making up something or whatever. So we were like asking questions like, okay, the, you see the foot of Jesus? Yeah, I see the foot of Jesus. And what do you see? Oh, and she scribed the feet. I don't know how to describe feet like that. So it must be true. It was happy. The feet were happy and peaceful. And we were like happy and peaceful feet. So we, we were like, I don't know. Maybe this was the Lord speaking. And well, we didn't thought about it anymore. So we were like, okay, it will come up sometime what this means. So in the evening, we had another meeting for our church in the Netherlands. And oh, we were so busy. We were, we were so tired that the, the meeting afterwards, we were so tired of all these meetings and all the busy time we had and the preparations for the move and stuff like that. And it was so, we were so tired. And Jan, my friend who's coming this week, he came up to us and he said, Alko and Miriam, I, I, I was reading the Bible this t today and I was reading about uh, Martha and Mary and I had the feeling that God said to me, you have to say to Alko and Miriam, to stop being the Martha. Stop being the Martha because I can't work through you guys if you're not at the feet of Jesus. And from that moment on, we, we decided to cut some tasks so we had more time. And the whisper came more and more. So this is really what I wanted to share with you guys. Like, yeah, just we have to be at the feet of Jesus if we want to hear this whisper. Because of the whisper, we are here now one and a half year later. And sometimes it's hard to listen to a whisper. But it's so good. It's, God is so good. Let's praise God for bringing Alko and Miriam over on a whisper. Thank you, Alko. Bless you. Aren't we glad that God whispers? We've got this uh, wonderful family here because of a whisper and uh, because they shamad, they hear and they responded big time. <laughs> That's a big response, yeah. So uh, uh, that makes ours look a lot easier. So thanks, guys, for, uh, for that one. Um, but yeah, one thing that mattered, she sat at the Lord's feet and listened. And your daughter got the, the, the picture of Jesus' feet, Happy Feet. Uh, that, that film stole, stole that title for their movie, Happy Feet, you know. Happy feet must be dancing feet. So, um, let's dance our feet, shall we? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your voice. And God, we do pray for the whisper revolution to take place in our hearts and in this church and across this city, across this nation and across the earth. That you raise up an army who, like Mary... <laughs> I've discovered the one thing that really matters, to sit at your feet and listen, for faith comes by hearing. God, we, we have to live by faith and walk by faith, and the only way we can do that, Lord, is by faith comes by hearing. Lord, your word says, my sheep hear my voice, and we pray that, God, you would teach us to hear your voice. As a church, help us to each other, Lord. Help us to inspire each other and, and encourage each other and say, what is God saying? what are you doing about it? Very often God speaks and we wait months and years and we're still not acted on it, but Shema means to hear and to respond. And so let's, let's encourage one another. What is God saying? Let's, let's 
help each other to wait in our, in our, our life groups. Let's encourage each other. Let's, let's take time just now to hear God speak. What's he saying? And allow the silence, the awkwardness. It's good. But awkwardness, eh? But awkwardness. That's good. Out of our comfort zone is where growth comes. So let's, let's encourage one another. Encourage our husbands and our wives. What's God saying to you just now? Let's take some time. Let's, let's hear what God's saying. Maybe God's whispering to you right now that he loves you and he wants you to come home to Father. We're going to do that right now. You want to give your life and be, uh, to God. You want to come into his family. If you want your life to be on that solid rock and have a firm foundation, you just have to believe he died on the cross and ask him into your life and follow after him. You can do that right now. Let's all pray this together. Dear Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Lord, I need to hear the voice of Father. I need the voice. Let's all, let's all repeat it. I need the voice of affirmation, of love, of encouragement. I need your voice. Please come into my life today. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross so that I could be forgiven. Please forgive me now. And I choose to turn and follow you with all my heart in Jesus' name. Now today, if you said, you know, Father wants you to come home. He wants to come into your life, but he's given you the free choice. And he asks you today, will you come home to Father today? And if you've said that prayer and meant it, just put your hand nice and high. Anybody here with every eye closed, I'm going to pull you down in front. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Wonderful. Wonderful. Anybody else say that prayer for the first time today? Okay. Well, thank you. If you did say that prayer and just want to put your hand up, there's a gold bag at the back. Please take one. Please come and speak to myself if you've got the, the courage and guts to do that. If not, just with the person that came to you. Church, I want to... Today wasn't a practical how-to guide. It was more the why and not the what. Sometimes we get caught up in the what without knowing the why. Today the why, hopefully today answers the why is God's voice important. Why should I learn to hear the whispers? Why should I want to and learn to? And, and maybe you have to do a bit of digging yourself. All the resources are there and available to help us that we need. Life groups get stuck and let's help each other hear and respond to his whisper. Let dreams come alive, let miracles happen, and let the revolution come. I'll just hand you over to my mum. I'd just like to share a little story as well because the importance of the whisper. Oh, how important it is. My mum was 57 and she was dying of cancer. And we, God works in mysterious ways. And sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But when you hear the whisper, he speaks to you in a strange way sometimes. And he just said to me one day, um, I said, God, my mum's dying of cancer and she doesn't know you. That's what's most important to me. And he started to tell me this little story, and he says, well, this is what you have to do, Elma. Adrian and Muriel had had their first child, um, well, they'd had their, their daughter, Leah. And um, he says, I want you to go um, take your mum along to their house, and I want you to, because your mum likes babies, and let them hold Leah. And ask, then you leave and get Adrian to speak to your mum. And, the, the, and it was just like, how are you doing, Mrs. Hodge? How are you feeling? How are you this? How are you that? And he just came back and he just said, and I just said to her, do you know Jesus? 
And she had said, no, I don't know Jesus. And he says, would you like to know Jesus? And he says, there's a little prayer you can do if you want to know Jesus. And um, so he says, what I'll do, because she wasn't quite ready, I'll write this little prayer down for you. And when you've prayed it, the only thing I ask you is that you tell me that you've prayed that prayer. So she said, yeah, okay. So she took the prayer. About two weeks later, there was a big thing on at the church. And this is about 30 years ago. And um, my uh, mum caught Adrian by the arm and she says, Adrian, I want you to know I prayed that prayer and I prayed it twice just in case. And my my mum died about six months later. But that was the whisper. That was God. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, what did I say to my mum? How did I do it? What can I say? And, And that whisper, God, gave me the whole story and how it would work. And my mum got saved. So that's how. Isn't that amazing? The power of a whisper. Yeah, come on, let's be a people that believe God still speaks today and we can hear his voice. And, and that's where faith came in. Isn't that wonderful? We, we don't have the answer. So let's help each other. Come on, let's, let's finish on a song and um, have a wonderful day. Thank you for coming, and it's great to see you all. Let's, let's go out, George.